We're back for Pet Chat. Cheryl Shaw, David Tabrit. hello to you both. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Now, Cheryl, what are Mm -hmm. we going to chat about today, if time permits? Well, I'm wearing the crazy dog brooch today, so I thought I'd talk about zoomies. Oh, is that when our dogs just lose the plot and run around in circles? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Sarah, you've got it in one. Oh, I love a good zoomie. I mean, I like it myself, actually. I don't know what that says, but (laughs) I guess we'll find out. And, David, what are you bringing to the table today? Sometimes our dogs eat things they should not. Yes. Yes, and I've got some examples. I've just been into the hospital over at Broadmeadow and I said, what have we got in hospital? What can I talk about? Oh, Mm. and you've seen a couple of cases. Yes. Okay. Now, Cheryl, you were talking about Zoomies today. For everyone that's just popped on the radio thinking, what's a Zoomie? Oh, Zoomies are great. And look, both cats and dogs have Zoomie periods. And it's where Mm. the dog just, or, or cat, just suddenly just starts going crazy. They'll run like mad. Sometimes they'll, you know, turn and twist. Um, Some dogs will actually tuck their tails in and go really low in the back end and just take off going in these circles and running randomly. What they're actually doing is they're so excited. They cannot contain (gasps) their excitement anymore and they need to expel some of that energy. Right. Now, there are some times that it triggers even more and one of them is often uh, if a favourite person comes home yeah and yeah they see that favorite person and they just go oh and they just can't they don't know what to do themselves. so they'll run in circles they might even go and fetch a toy and come back sometimes they run up to you and want to play like yes. they do the pretend yeah. you know like yes, trying yes. to get you to engage yeah. so it's all about just trying to get rid of some of this excitability that they're having uh, another time that they do it is after a bath oh Yes. Mm-hmm. I think we've all seen that where we wash the dog and their ears yep. down, tail down before the bath and the moment they're out, boom. Yep. And sometimes rolling, rubbing against anything and everything yes. and just having so much fun. Often people think, oh, they're trying to get rid of the clean, you know, the cleanness and the, the smell, the cleanliness. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yes. Mm. But what they're actually doing, it's called a post-bath hyperactivity. Oh. And when they have a bath, their adrenaline levels change and they have a rush of adrenaline. So they're trying to get rid of some of that energy so it's a real fun thing and often people think oh is there something wrong with my dog has it gone a bit crazy well no it is having a fun time and it's not that the dog is actually enjoying its life so it's a really good sign there's nothing wrong with the dog to have a zoomie or a cat to have zoomies it's quite a healthy thing for the pet to be having okay but um there's, there's other times too that they'll do it uh, apart from when somebody comes home often they'll do it after they've done a poo they get so mm. excited that they've, they've been to the mm. toilet. So you'll notice all of these changes in their in their behaviour. Yeah. But honestly, it's one of the fun things about owning a pet when they're having their Zoomies. And Zoomies don't last for very long either. No. no, no. Can you share the story you told us off air about uh, your Amy? My, yeah, Amy was my bulldog and she's passed away since. But um, she used to do the Zoomies up. I can't exactly recall what triggered it. She was a pretty happy dog. Yeah. But she would run, and she was about 20, 25 kilos. So she's a sizable dog. She's a sizable dog, but her zoomie would involve running through the doggy door at full pelt, leaping onto the leather L-shaped lounge and oh. doing a big spin off that, coming back through the door and then do a U-turn again. And then the second time... She would just leap onto the lounge and instead of turning on the L, she'd just run straight into the end of it <laughs> with, with her head. Oh, 
Oh no! And then Amy. flop, flop down, and that was it. Because she she she'd exerted all the energy she possibly that, could. That was all she had. Oh my god! And that was the same pattern each time. Al- almost every time, yeah. That oh, is that's, so. Yeah. Aren't they fun? They destroyed are so the much furniture. Fun. Yeah, but, it does. But it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> It gave everyone a good laugh. <laughs> but this, this behaviour is actually known as frenetic random activity behaviour. So um, a period. It is a period, not behaviour. So it's frap. Frap. A bit of frap. So we can just frap. be like, it's all right, they're just having they're a just frap. They're yeah. frapping. It sounds they're like frapping. some sort of coffee, you know. It does. Frap. Yeah. <laughs> Frappuccino. Yeah. Well, thank you, Cheryl, for, yeah, it's for a bringing fun one. that to us. So enjoy them when they do it. How do cats do it, by the way? Because oh, they can be crazy. Mm-hmm. Not, having, mm-hmm. not having a cat. Okay, they can be darting out from one room. Flying up the hallway, jumping my, my on you. My cat does this too. Oh, fun. Yeah, yeah heaps right. of fun. Okay. We always think that with the cat, from our perspective, is it's like, oh, she needs to get outside or she wants to just run around and exercise. and mm. Yeah, and it, it's with the cat, I think it's random. She doesn't do it after food. After food is when you go and lie on the bed. Yeah. You know, I did rescue a cat once, Walker. Um, and she did that. And so I taught her how to play chases and tips, but it, it was really bad because I'd get up at two in the morning to go mm-hmm. do a wee and she'd just come out of nowhere like an alien and time jump to, on me. Yeah. Time to play. Yeah. yeah. So Because yep. you know. often cats will jump up on the lounge and run across the top of the lounge and jump back down again and then suddenly everything stops. So it is that short period, but a burst of energy. Mm. Okay. Let's go to the phones now. Steve in Brankston, thank you for your call. You've got a question for David today. Yes, I have. Uh, I've got two Kelpie blends here. Yep. And with with they get a, like a cup of uh, dry food and half of a seven hundred mil tin of wet food at, at night. And but going by the the charts, I'm not I'm not giving them enough. It says. Going by the chart, you're not giving them enough. Oh, going or... by the. Going by what it says on the, the, the tin and, yep. the, uh, and the dry food, it says to give them uh, uh, like three cups of dry food. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, but they're, are they happy or they keep coming back for food? They do as much as you put in front of them. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I mean, if you're happy with their weight and, you know, they're not just searching out food all the time and obviously – Dogs are food motivated very heavily, so you know you you've got to uh, work out whether it's hunger or just um, I want a treat sort of thing. But if it, certainly if their weight is good, um, then those those guidelines that are on the food tins and bags are, are just that they're guidelines. And so we always go by okay, you might start with the guidelines, but then you want to adjust to your dog. One of the things about kelpies is that they uh, are a very energetic dog. Um, and they have a fairly, in my opinion, I think a faster metabolism. Um, so they'll usually want to stay a bit lean. They usually do better when they're lean as well. A lot of uh, Kelpies that I see in houses and backyards, they tend to get a bit overweight and then they get joint problems. So I think it's better to be on the leaner side. And next time you're in at the vet, I would say ask that question, but also ask them to give you a body score. So there's, um, there's a scale that we use of one to nine, and then you probably want a th- uh, about a three or a four for a Kelpie to be happy, I think. And um, if you find you're sitting in that 
scale, and you can look this up online actually at home. What does the scale indicate? Sorry. So it's Jake? a bo- it's a, co- a body score, um, and you view the pet. There's one for dogs and one for cats. Okay. And you can view the pet from the side and from above, and there's certain features that we look at, like the waist and the right. hips. And okay. You know how much body uh, fat, fat is over their okay. chest and things like that, and the angle of the belly as well. So when dogs put on a lot of weight, their belly becomes almost horizontal. Yeah, yes. But they should be tucked up into the back end a little bit. So, okay. yeah, you want to keep kelpies on the lean side, and I think if they're healthy and that's stable, then um, you've probably found the right amount of food to give them. The uh, the, the the one that's got. She's weighing uh, uh, 25 kilos, but she's a uh, blend with a uh, Kelpie Border Collie. Well, Border Collies are a, a lot bigger than Kelpies. Yeah, 25 for a female Kelpie would be on the heavier side, so that's because of the Border Collie, yeah. For the vet for the the said that's because she's been desexed. They got a bit heavier? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd go back and uh, calibrate that against that body scale. So if you look it up online, it's the Purina um, body s- scale, and there's images, and you can actually do this at home yourself and just say, okay, well, you're a three or you're a four or, you know, maybe in between. If they're a five or six, then maybe we're a bit heavy. Um, and once you kind of say, okay, we're at that level, then you just stick with it and the amount of food is fine. So so it's like when we do a BMI for us, <laughs> in a way. You well, look at it and go, oh. Yeah, kind of. Um, a there's a high. bit of controversy about BMIs. So, yeah, they're, um, they're wrong, they're clearly. Wrong. They're, they're, <laughs> I always go high. I can't be right. Three out of three in this room said they're wrong. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's go to Mark now in Thornton. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show. You've got a 70-kilo bull mastiff, a big boy, I'm, I'm guessing a boy, uh, but doing some zoomies big time. He is a big boy. He's a rescue dog. Um, we, bought him, we got him on his first birthday. He's a bull mastiff cross Great Dane. Oh. Mm. Wow. He, um, he sleeps, typical bull mastiff, about 16 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> but every afternoon he comes outside and he goes for his zoomies. Oh, no. Thank goodness it's outside. <laughs> you, can, you can imagine 70 kilos that's doing the speed of a greyhound. Oh. About, <laughs> Don't about, get in his way. Well, I've also got a Weimaraner. Oh. And the Weimaraner now knows that when Duke's doing his zoomy, you stay well out of the way. Yes. <laughs> he can lift the Weimaraner clean up in the air, which has happened a couple of times. Oh, my goodness. I could see broken legs happening. So if the earth is shaking in Stockton, don't worry. It's just Duke doing a zoomy or two. <laughs> exactly it. Uh, oh, that's he will, gorgeous. He will, he will pick objects that he knows that he either can't hurt or can lift, and he will hit them flat out. Wow. <laughs> so he'll hit an aluminium lawn chair and just launch it into the sky without... He's a whimpery. It never hurts him. Oh, my gosh. That's taking it to the extreme, isn't it, of zoomies? Can you take a video? Yes, when, uh, I want to see a video yes, of this. Yes, send it in to us. We would love to see that. Oh, my I goodness. Will, I will show you Duke doing a zoomie. Oh, Good that job. would be. We'll put him up on our website on the Pet Chat page. I think we all could use a bit of a laugh. Thanks so much for the call. Thanks, Mark. Just, just before I go. Yeah. Um, so, okay, he's. 
shoulder height, he's the same as the Weimarana, and the Weimarana is a big Weimarana, not a fine Weimarana. Yep. He's a lot more thick-set in the chest and a lot more thick-set in the back end. He does have a little bit of a tuck, a tuck in the tummy. But is 70 kilos considered, like, overweight for a bull mastiff? No. No? No, I've, okay. I've seen bull mastiffs that are a good weight at 80 kilos. There does seem to be quite a bit of a range because, obviously, once you're dealing with those kilos, you know, 10% either way is uh, different to a chihuahua. 10%. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So, and, and again, you can still use the same scale like we were just talking about. You can go on and Google the Purina dog scale and you can use that for any size dog. It doesn't matter because it's just about the body conformation and what their shape looks like. All right. So you can actually do that assessment. It's quite easy. It's a good little chi- check. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Philip. You're in Stockton. Uh, you've got a couple of questions for David today. I do, I do. And uh, before I do that, I just want to pass on a little story. We've got a little chocolate poodle, and um, she's she's quite mad. And uh, <laughs> uh, one day she, I heard the story you were telling about uh, headbutting the doggy door. She came flying down on the backyard headbutted the doggy door at full pace, jumped up on the lounge uh, on the ground floor. The window was open with a fly screen. She couldn't stop, so she smashed the fly screen out, (laughs) slid down the fly screen. So my wife called out to me, and there she came running down the blind side, ran back through the house and did it again. Oh, York. So jumped (laughs) through the window again. Yeah, because now the window window was open open. and the fly screen was (laughs) on an angle down on the ground, so she slid down the fly screen again. She created her own donkey slide. Well, I was just thinking, people pay money to go on roller coasters and stuff, right? Yes, (laughs) yes. So, Philip, I reckon that you could have uh, sold tickets to dogs in the neighbourhood to come and slide down your fly screen. Absolutely. <laughs> that, well, that actually leads to where I'm heading because one one night uh, a few months ago, she or one day, sorry, um, you've obviously heard of the term zoomies and uh, where they run madly around the yard. Well, she didn't... Uh, you could just tell she was in a mood because she was running running from one one bed to the other, jumping off, and she did 19 of them. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. wow. And that night, the story ends well, that night she had a fit. So he took her to the emergency at Broadmeadow, and it turns out she'd expelled so much energy that she, her glucose levels had dropped so low that she caused her to have a fit. Oh, wow. So now we have to stop her after about five. But, <laughs> but that leads to my question. With such an active dog, yes. would it be wise to fuel her up and give her a bit of a bit of... I mean, she's got biscuits all day, but would it be wise to fuel her up with a bit of... Um, uh, good food uh, um, in the morning as well as at, at night because she just uh, she's just fairly. She um, wants to use all this energy. Active. Yeah, would it be wise to do that? I mean, she's only four point three kilo. She's a miniature, so she's really only the size of a, a large toy. She's only about. She's very small for a size, but she's super active and. We've been wondering whether we should feed her twice a day, but not not four meals twice a day. But just say she's got a bit of yeah. uh, 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 vitamins in her to to use that energy during the day. Uh, I'm wondering what you were thinking. Uh, my answer would be no. No. Now the reason is is because 
the way that we metabolize energy and use energy. Yes. Um, so the, there's a caveat to this, which is going back to what we were saying with our earlier callers, is just looking at body condition. Because when we feed, we're not just putting calories in and that's all it amounts to, although that's not a bad model to think about, you know, more calories, more energy, less calories, um, lose weight, that kind of thing. But certainly more calories can put on weight. Now, you might think, well, if you're exercising a lot, you need more calories. That's true, but how are the calories stored in the body? So when you eat, they just don't sit in the blood as glucose. Otherwise, you're, um, once your blood glucose goes over about 10 millimoles per litre of blood, you end up, it um, gets uh, lost into the kidneys. So you, can, you don't store glucose in the body in that way. It's stored as a, another bigger um, molecule called glycogen. And glycogen sits in a number of different places, mainly the liver and muscle. And then what happens is that when we start to exercise, we go through a number of different um, energy systems that are used, including activating glycogen. So just simply feeding doesn't mean that she's going to have more energy to then go and exercise. However, if she is regularly doing a certain amount of exercise, then you certainly you will find that additional food may be needed, but it does, doesn't mean that, you know, we'll give her more this morning and instead of doing five, she'll do ten zoomies. Yeah, I guess I'm not saying uh, I want to feed, I'm thinking of feeding her more so she can do more. I'm just... Splitting it over two meals. I'm just, yeah, spreading it over two meals so that she's she's got enough sustenance in her body to to, to create havoc during the day as she would normally do. That's, I guess that's what I've I'm never, I don't think we've ever had anybody <laughs> ring up and ask, how do I feed my dog so they can create more havoc? <laughs> um, but it's, it's a reasonable question because, and it goes to one of the things about dogs and how they feed and the way that their body systems are set up. Like if you compare a dog's uh, metabolism and their digestive system to, say, a horse, um, so a horse is a grazing animal and they have to eat all day. Right, and cows are the same, and partly that's because they eat low energy food and they they use bacteria in their gut to break it down. But on the other hand, dogs are evolved to feast and then rest, and so their actual biochemistry, the way that the liver deals with these things, mm. means that uh, they're set up to have um, you know probably one meal right. for an adult dog is adequate. Um, we would give a younger dog more frequent feeds um, because we're moving their body over to this kind of system and they're using energy for growth. Yeah, uh, I think she's fully grown. She's just two, um, but yeah. she's very, well, for a, well, you know what, the size for a miniature poodle is, she's only just four kilos, so she's very, yeah. she's very lean. Yeah, I would, I would again, use the, use the body scale. It's, it's amazing how um, helpful that can be for these sort of questions. There's nothing wrong with feeding twice a day, but I would say that it's not necessarily going to make a big difference to whether she exercises more 
during that day. Okay, look, we're going to go to an email that we've had, David, oh, um, yes. which is fantastic. Chris has sent us in an email to Pet Chat. You can do the same, by the way, if you are at work um, and not able to get to the phone by going to 2nurfm.com.au and going to the Pet Chat page. Uh, now, basically, Chris wants to know he's got a two-year-old Jack Russell who constantly chews his feet or nails, and it's happening mostly at night on the couch. Uh, and when Chris tries to distract him, he just goes straight back to gnawing it like he can't resist. Uh, so Chris wants to know, is this a nervous habit like chewing your fingernails or could there be some underlying reason like a skin condition? And, and apparently the Jack Russell does have a couple of behavioural issues, uh, for example, growling when they're out walking and there's joggers mm. that go by, which Chris is working on with him. Well, it's a, it's a good question. And look, it's actually one that we commonly hear, particularly as we go into spring and things like that. So we've been discussing some of the possibilities for this sort of question. Mm. One of the things we commonly see is dogs with an allergic skin disease called ATP, and it starts to show up from around about the age of two. Um, Jack Russells, yep, we see it a lot. Maltese, um, West Highland Whites are the most, uh, Terriers are the other breeds that we see. But it can occur in any dog, to be honest, and it's a genetic condition that, that means they're um, allergic to inhaled or respiratory uh, proteins. Uh, and very commonly, it could be things like pollens, things like that. Funnily enough, a lot of dogs also that have that will uh, also be allergic with contact on their skin. And that's why we often see problems on their feet. Like they'll walk, walk on the grass, pick up the grass, pollen and antigens from the grass that actually triggers this reaction. But then they start licking or chewing because it's itchy. Mm. And then that establishes the moisture on their feet means they then get yeast infection and a secondary bacterial infection. And those two things in themselves are itchy. So you've got a couple of things going on. And certainly some dogs, then it becomes behavioral, okay. like an anxiety thing. So I think that is a separate issue, but I would probably say 90% of these, well, maybe 80% are um, allergy-related. And there are some really good treatments. We've got to go back and treat two things now. We've got to treat the yeast and the bacteria. So we you know, com commonly uh, recommend a, a wash like Maliseb, which is a chlorhexidine dog shampoo. And um, But that may not be the end of it. Oftentimes you'll need to also treat the uh, allergy response. And there's a couple of products that we use with that, things like Cytopoint um, or Apoquil or a couple of the drugs that are used. And they, they work pretty pretty well um, over time, but it does become a long-term thing. Now, and, and Cheryl and I were talking about this before, so apart from the... the um, behavioral things Cheryl you you were talking to me some of these dogs also end up with skin problems and anal gland problems yeah that's really around their back that is really yeah. common and like you said with the West Highland White Terriers you can almost guarantee oh, yeah. that it's going to be a, a little bit of anal gland problem there as well so often dogs will chew at their feet or at their flank area if they've got discomfort in their anus so that's sort of one of those things that they can't reach back they there can't so reach, they'll, yeah. so chew they'll choose something else as a uh, an overrider for pain threshold mm. so mm. it is something that you can either get your vet or your groomer to check out just in case it may not 
be that. As you said, it's more likely to be that there's those allergens. If we can use um, a towel or something as well when the dog's coming in with moisture on its feet, trying to keep them as dry as possible. On the damp grass? Yes, yep. yeah, really important because that moisture, while it's there, is going to make that bacteria breed more yes. and those yeast just love the moisture. Mm. Now, we've had Sharon, uh, who's desperately trying to get in touch with us, but there's something between her phone and our phones. They don't like mm. each other um, and we can't seem to get her to stay on the line. But I can ask the question. Let's just, I'll give it one last try just to see. Sharon, you there? No, no, doesn't like it. But look, the question was, David, uh, she's got a seven-year-old staffy who has a slipped disc, is on painkillers and anti-inflammatories and is very sad. Mm. Um, so I'm not quite sure what the question was there. <laughs> But I think it's obviously to do with painkillers. Well, Can it change their mood? It, it depends on the extent of the injury. Like if we talk about the, the disc problem, so some of the dogs that we see with uh, disc injury means that they're completely paralysed and this is often ends up being a surgical problem. But uh, they still are going to need some degree of uh, medication for pain and, and a lot of people do use anti-inflammatories as well because the uh, disc injury triggers this problem. Sharon, you there? I am, Sarah, oh, thank you. Oh, Here we my go. gosh, hallelujah. Uh, okay, so we've started answering a question. Hopefully we've, we're on the right track, but you better fill us in, Sharon, I, what's going I didn't on? I hear your answers. That's so right. at the end of January, we have a seven-year-old Staffy. Yeah. At the end of January, she's laying around and whimpering. We took her to the local vet. They've prescribed her with meloxicone. Yep, meloxicam. And yep. um, they've... After x-rays, they discovered she's got a, a disc, a slip disc. Yeah. Um, we've got a pool. She swims in the pool. We thought that would be good for our therapy for her. And then on the 18th of this month, um, she started to cry and whimper again. Yeah. So we took her back. So we figured that she must have got her energy and she's bouncing around the yard. And she, they've now prescribed her with a gabapentin. Yes. Tablet. And she's having that... Half of the morning, half of the night. It's a 300 milligram and she's still crying and she sleeps on a beanbag most of the time during the day. She's not getting out much, not okay. walking much. So she's still using her back legs, okay? Yep. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm not sure which disc it is. My husband took it as a vet, so I'm not sure whereabouts it is, but she's sitting next to me now. She, she just right. cries. Yeah. Um, so... A lot of dogs vocalise for a lot of different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes I talk to people and I say, your dog's in pain, and they go, oh, no, but she's not crying. And I say, well, they don't have to do that. But then at the same time, when they are vocalising, does that mean they're in pain? Not necessarily. Okay. okay. So the gabapentin, the melox is she still on the meloxicam? Well, she was only supposed to be on the meloxicam for 10 days, it seems. Yes, that's right. But we, we do still give her that because we were led to believe that was an anti-inflammatory until I've read the packet and said it's a painkiller. Well, it does the same thing. It reduces, reduces pain that's caused by inflammation. Yep. So it's not like a painkiller like morphine or anything like that, but it, it works. It still is quite effective. And gabapentin, uh, similarly, sometimes... Uh, will provide a good pain-killing effect because of its uh, effect in the spinal cord. They work on different pathways. The question is, is the problem pain-related or is the question going to be behavioural? And a lot of dogs, when they're sick, they get a lot more attention. And every time they make a noise, they get more attention. Mm. So they keep making a noise. 
to get more attention. Yep. So there's that aspect as well. Sometimes we have to find the right um, dose of medication for dogs with this problem. And some of these dogs are going to need more intensive things like rehabilitation, therapy, physiotherapy, and some do require surgery if they've got persistent pain. So, look, it's worth checking in with your vet again. It's another week on getting on, so probably time for a check-in because they'll be able to tell you the best advice there. Sharon, thank you for the call. I'm glad we could uh, briefly answer that. It is just about time. Before we go, though, we've got to do our Dog of the Week, which is Enzo. Now, this is a three-year-old purebred German short-haired pointer. Uh, he's a he's a pretty-looking dog. Oh, he's handsome. He, he certainly is handsome, Cheryl. Uh, we've got three photos up mm. on the Pet Chat page. Does he come with his own car? Yeah, <laughs> looks like he a nice looks, car he too. Looks, he, yeah, there's a photo with his head out uh, the window, looking like a real dude. Uh, look, he loves to run, swim, relax on the lounge in the backyard in the sun. He does love chasing balls uh, and outdoor adventures. So, if you're the human for him, he does like obviously human interaction. He would go better inside. I think most dogs do really. Mm-hmm. He loves exercise as well, uh, and he gets on with other dogs. So, look, go check him out. You can find him. Uh, at 2NURFM.com.au, but he's gorgeous. He is. That's it for today. Cheryl Shaw, David Tabret. thank you both so much. Lovely. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.